This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cheeseheads. Cheese Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's Steve Sparky Fiverr from 1250 AM, The Fan in Milwaukee, along with our guy Ryan Horvath. Bet MGM tonight, uh, weeknights, a part of BetQL's radio network across this wonderful, fine country. If you can't catch that, make sure to download the podcast of Bet MGM tonight. I see uh, that your co-host, uh, Miss Trista Crick, uh, is headed to Sacramento uh, this weekend uh, to catch uh, the Kings in action. I think it would be only fair that you hook her up with Rami Makhlouf, who, of course, does the afternoons uh, at the flagship, uh, Sacktown Sports, so she can maybe get a little tour from Rami of Sacramento. Yeah, I'll have to hook that up. Yeah, we've become pretty big King fans on the show, man. I like their roster. I like Fox. I like Sabonis. Uh, yeah. you know, they got off to a nice little start this season. They're a fun team. I don't think they're winning a playoff series or anything like that. Maybe I'm wrong probably didn't think that the Pelicans were going to win a playoff series last year, but I'll have to hook her up. I know uh, this is a Packer, uh, a Packer podcast, yeah. but I also have been rooting for the Kings because my 15 year old is a big Kings fan for like the last four or five years or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we went to the Kings bucks game and now we're going to the Kings bulls game in March and the whole deal. He got a bunch of King stuff. He got us a bonus Jersey, another Fox Jersey. Uh, and now today he wants to get a red wig uh, and a white headband to wear like Herder. Yeah, uh, red velvet when he goes to the Bulls game. So out of control. But hey, uh, I was last night. I was screwing around. So how about this? Packer fans, just bear with us for a second. What about this for a trade? And it works. I put it into the trade calculator and it's right there in your backyard. The Wizards are involved. Kings and Wizards. Wizards get Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, a one top three protected only in 2026, a second in 23, a second in 25 for Porzingis. Hmm. I like it. That would mean Sabonis would essentially play the four. Porzingis would be the five. Here's the problem. Uh, and then Murray would be the three to replace Harrison Barnes. And Murray's been okay. Uh, you know, he's getting better little by little. He's not the vet that Harrison Barnes is. Uh, but the yeah. Wizards aren't going anywhere fast. So and, and there's talk that Kuzma might get dealt. So who knows? No, here's my concern with that is like Przingis. I don't know if he's a good locker room guy because everywhere he goes, it seems like he doesn't get along with somebody. I don't know that anybody's gotten along with Luca yet. They should, uh, but that gets along with. Everybody gets along with Sabonis, though. Well, and well, that's the thing I was going to say. You could have Sabonis at the four to clean up on the glass, and then you have your rim protector and KP. He could just kind of pick and pop, shoot threes. Exactly. I don't hate it as long as they get along. I've just heard his brothers are a lot to handle. KP's brothers. 
Yeah, so that's the only thing, man. I don't want him messing up my team's core, but I don't that's hate him. Like, I agree the Wizards are going nowhere. Crazy as it sounds, and again, I know we're going to get to the Packers. Yeah. I kind of like Kyle Kuzma, man. I know that he was like a little bit of a joke in Los Angeles, kind of like the whipping boy yeah. there. But he's a hell of a player. Every time I check the box score, 22 points, 10 yeah. boards, a couple assists. I don't hate him on a contender. I, I really I wouldn't hate him on the Bucks. Yeah, well, again, the Bucks, and it's funny, Greedy Growing Podcast with Nathan Marzian and myself, uh, we were just talking. I just brought up Kuzma literally in the last podcast we recorded uh, yesterday, Tuesday, that's now available wherever you're done with your favorite podcast. And I brought up the fact that I want another score for this team. I know a lot of people want a defender. I want to score. And Kuzma is one of the names that I brought up. Not that I'm necessarily in love with Kuzma necessarily, but he can give you some offense. Uh, if that means Middleton goes to the two because you move Grayson Allen in that deal, and then Kuzma's in that starting lineup, that doesn't improve your bench necessarily. Because right now, that Bucks team only has one score off the bench. That's Bobby Porter. They have nobody else that can score the basketball off the bench. And you look around the league, a lot of these, not a lot, but there are some teams that are scoring a lot more than the Bucks are right now. The Nets are on fire uh, and scoring a ton of points. And my fear is, if I had a fear is, you know, will they have enough offense when you get to the playoffs? The one thing we don't know is, we don't know how this all looks because you still haven't had Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis on the floor very often. Uh, and Middleton hasn't looked like Middleton when he has been out there. So we'll see. But yeah, sorry. Sorry to lead it with the NBA, folks. That's not what the intention was. But uh, yeah. So anyways, uh, before we get to the Packers, one other thing I want to touch on. Or four minutes in. Packers, we'll get to them. Uh, Monday Night Football. Uh, okay. Bills, uh, obviously. DeMar Hamlin uh, goes into cardiac arrest, falls down, uh, and... Uh, they do CPR, they shock him with the pads, the whole deal there. And then according to his uncle, uh, they had to do it again at the hospital because they lost him again at the hospital and had to resuscitate him again uh, at the hospital. And I want to see what Ryan thinks of this, but my, my initial thought on all of this is as jacked up uh, and as crazy of a society as we live in right now, with all the hostility and all the hate being spewed between political parties and races and religions and all the nonsense and crap that's going on in our society, to see the reaction of people to this situation, to see people find out because of social media about a GoFundMe page for a toy drive that already happened, that was December 22nd, already happened, and people went on there and just started donating and yeah. donating, right? And the last time I checked, we were closing in on $6 million donated that is going to go for great use for, you know, kids, less privileged kids and so forth, whether it be back to school drives or whatever he's going to use it for. It's amazing. And if you go on there and you look at some of the donors, man, you've got pro pro athletes, coaches, owners, uh, you've got people from probably every state in the country. You got people from other countries. Like it is amazing the support that has been rallied around one person who didn't ask for the support, the family didn't ask for the support. Everybody did it out of the kindness of their own heart to show that they're thinking of them, they're praying for them, and it's all about them. That's amazing. Secondly, I see this last night. DeMar Hamlin's number three jersey has been Fanatic's top seller among all sports since Monday night. Fanatic's, uh, the website Fanatic's, plans to donate all proceeds from Hamlin's jersey sales to his toy drive, which now has more than five and a half million in donations. So a top-selling jersey since Monday night on the Fanatics website, and they're taking all that money, they're not taking any of it, and they're giving it all to DeMar Hamlin uh, and his effort. Again, of, of all this craziness in this world and society today, 
this gives or should give you hope that it's not as bad maybe sometimes as it seems, uh, you know, going forward, right? Yeah, for sure. Still some good in this world, still a lot of good in this world, also some bad in this world, and obviously a terrible situation, something that, you know, that's that's a nightmare right there. That's something that you never want to see. It's bad enough, you know, when somebody goes down with an ACL tear or somebody has a neck injury or a concussion, we worry about these brain injuries, but man, um, CPR for over nine minutes, that was just so scary and looked like maybe – during that broadcast, I was worried that you were going to lose them. We were going to lose them that night. Um, so it's good to see, though, you know, people rally around this. But also, man, just really scary. And uh, it just shows, man, like how fragile life is. Because all day long, uh, I was driving back from Green Bay, and I just wanted to get home to watch the bowl games, but really to watch that game. I've been looking forward to that game for a month. And as soon as that goes down, it's like, forget about football, man. Forget about the game. This is somebody's life right here. And uh, really scary, but also a lot of good, I think, did come from it. Some good came from it with the toy drive. Uh, And it's good to see, especially on social media, because it's such a dark place at times. And especially during football games, you know, people rooting for injury. And uh, you just, you know, I thought Aaron Rodgers actually on the Pat McAfee show kind of broke it down you know, the best. It's like a big fraternity, these guys. There's guys that don't like each other, obviously, but you never root for injury. You never root for anything like this. It's like a big fraternity, and it was cool to see everybody kind of rally around him, and hopefully he pulls through, man, because this is such a scary situation, and you never want to see it. It really is. And again, they haven't seen in the NFL, what, since the 70s? I think it was 71 or something like that. Uh, it's been a long time since they've seen somebody have a cardiac arrest. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other scary part about it is, you know, if they don't have those those pads or whatever they are, um, to shock him back, they don't get him back. I mean, that, that's how they got the heart going. And if, if those pads aren't on hand, and, you know, it's an NFL game, but think about if that happens at a Little League field or something, those yeah. things aren't readily available at a Little League baseball field, at a park, you know, in an area near you. It, it's probably over for that kid. I, and, and, to, and to me, that's that's the, the thing that really, you know, is, is the biggest thing right now is, holy crap, like – Thank God he had all of these unbelievably great medical professionals around. They were able to rush to his aid and work on him and not give up. You know, they didn't give up. They just kept working and working and working and then shocking him, getting back, getting him in the ambulance. And according to his uncle, they lose him again at the hospital. They got to resuscitate him again at the hospital. I just. And and that's why, man, like. These guys are modern-day gladiators. I always root for these guys. They should have guaranteed money. If, if Major League Baseball and NBA players get guaranteed money, these guys should be able to take care of their kids' kids' kids for the rest of their lives for what they do every Sunday, every Monday, every Thursday. And, I mean, the league talks about player safety. I just – it's a dangerous game and it's good to see you also, you just want to see, and this is what I was talking about on the way home with my wife yesterday. Thank God they had the right people there. Like you just got done saying the right medical staff. And that's why it's so important that we always get things right because we've seen some scary situations Tula played the entire second half on Christmas day concussed against the Packers. I mean, um, so it's, it's really important that we have the right people there because it's a dangerous game, man. And, and I know that we, we protect these guys, I know the technology is better than it's ever been, the helmets, the pads, but still guys are bigger, they're stronger, they're faster than they've ever been. And so that's why that's such a scary situation. And that's why, you know, we don't want to see anything like this ever again, but we're going to continue to see injuries. And so you got to have the right people there. And thank God that they were there because they hopefully saved this young man's life. You know, and the other thing too is, you know, people are listening to Kurt and Long all over the country, all over the world, right? Because you can download this wherever you download your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, Google Podcasts, whatever. Um, 
in Wisconsin, I'm pretty sure they just made it a law because of uh, somebody that passed away. I think it was Waukesha North a couple years ago. Same type of deal. Um, and now they have it as a lot. I think all schools now have to have these uh, pads. I don't forget what they're called. Um, but it, it, to be able to shock um, hearts back in to play now, that that's part of the deal. These these high schools or whatever have to have them. And I, I think every state should require it as law. Like every school should have to have these things on hand in case something like this happens. I, I was talking to a doctor. Now, we don't know what the exact cause of this was, but, you know, this this sudden impact to a heart. And the doctor was telling me that very common in baseball where these young kids playing baseball get a line drive smoked off their chest they don't get their glove up enough time and all of a sudden they go down and then you know you got to have the pads on uh, right there and, and ready to go and you know if you're out at a field like this or whatever the case may be and they don't have them it's over i mean it, it literally can be just that quick and that is the scariest part of the whole deal you go out there with your eight-year-old kid or whatever just playing a random baseball game in a tournament or whatever and it's unfortunate thing happens and it's over and that's what i keep saying you know like life's fragile man and it's uh it's scary but um yeah and especially the kid's 24 years old he's only 24 years old and it's like you go on social media you see him at these toy drives you see everything he does with the community you hear about how great of a kid he was the people at pit obviously loved him is 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 is. yeah Yeah, don't do this. You're gonna scare everybody listening. Is yeah, no, no, you're right. Is is, but uh, and the but the scariest part about it is just his family was at the game. You know, he's hugging his mother right before the game, and she's so excited to see him play a big primetime spot. And then it's like one quarter later, boom, and she's being rushed to the hospital. He's being rushed to the hospital. Crazy. Hopefully he pulls through because this is a wild man. All right, let's transition. I suppose we should talk about some Packers here. What has been the biggest turnaround for the Packers uh, over the past few weeks that's led them to be in a position of, you know, being eight and eight uh, with a game Sunday night at home at Lambeau against the Detroit Lions win and they're in. If Seattle wins, Detroit will be playing spoiler. If Seattle loses earlier in the day, then Detroit will also be playing a win in their end scenario against the Packers. I think if you're NBC, that's what you want. You want the Seahawks to lose and make it a whoever wins gets to go to the playoffs because I think a good portion of this country would be rooting for the Lions to beat the Packers to see the Lions make the playoffs. The Packers would be the villain, bad guys, you know, with Rodgers who's been there before. He's got a Super Bowl with the Lions, all that poor fan base. Let's root for the Lions to upset Rodgers and the Packers to get in. And I'll yeah. be honest, like if if it was anybody but the Packers and the Lions were playing them and both teams were winning their in, I would definitely be rooting for the Lions to get in to break that god-awful street that that organization has been rolling on for the last 20 or 30 years or however long it's been. Uh, so that's cool. But what's been the biggest turnaround, do you think, Ryan, for the Packers the past few weeks that's led to this? Well, I know we're going to talk about the defense coming up here, yep. but obviously I think obviously the defense, takeaways. Uh, but Joe Barry since the bye week. I don't know if Matt LaFleur sat him down. I don't know who sat him down. I don't know if maybe he did some self-reflection, but he's changed and uh, he's made the right adjustments. A lot more cover two, a lot more cover six, a lot less blitzing. Guys are still getting home. I mean, how many times would, would, would he call blitz? And Patton had the same problem and guys just wouldn't get home or they would get home and, you know, they just would miss the tackle whiff on the quarterback or yep. the quarterback makes this ridiculous throw down the field. Now they're actually getting natural pressure. So the defensive line stepped up Kenny Clark four weeks ago. You could have put him on a milk carton. I thought maybe we were overpaying. They were overpaying for Kenny Clark. The defensive line's been much better, but Joe Barry has made the right adjustments. Also uh, leadership. You hear it from Aaron Rodgers. You see it from Aaron Rodgers, not just really moping on the sidelines. I've never been the biggest body language 
language guy, but we've seen it at times. He's go, he goes up to the guys on the defensive side of the ball. He's talking with these young receivers. He's talking with his offensive line. But not only from Rodgers, guys on the defensive side of the ball like Jair Alexander have stepped up. Guys in that locker room like Mercedes Lewis, Randall Cobb, the veterans. I just think right now this team, they're playing with – like. They're playing with more confidence. They look confident out there. I mean, let's be honest. The biggest turnaround, though, special teams. It's, it's Nixon. They yep. finally have a kick returner. They, ha- they finally have a guy that could flip the field and take it to the house. And you saw how important that was on Sunday. I was there, and that took away all the momentum right there uh, from Minnesota after that block punt to start the game. So I just think really leadership and a change of attitude, and obviously the right adjustments from Joe Barry. He's been excellent the last four weeks, and I think we have to give him his flowers. Also, guys about executing, which helps. I'm really interested to see how much Keyshawn Nixon is going to get paid because he's going to be a free agent. So how much are you going to have to pay Keyshawn Nixon at this point? And what is Keyshawn Nixon's agent and representation looking at in comparison for numbers and pay and so forth? Because to be honest with you, he's probably the best kick returner in football right now. I mean, as we sit right now, I think he's the best kick returner in the NFL. And that that's going to cost you something. And for a team that doesn't have a ton of cap room one way or the other here, they're going to have to figure out a way to pay him. You cannot, under any circumstance, let him go anywhere else. You I told must you. pay him. I told you, he's the modern day. He's Devin Hester. He's Dante Hall. You know, what I was, no, he's not. you know what I was doing? No, he's not. No, he's not. You know what I was doing do on that. Sunday? I was pointing and I said, the only question is, where does his name go? Do we put it next to Leroy? Stop. You're being so absolutely ridiculous. He's not Devin Hester. I heard somebody on national radio say that too. He's not Devin Hester. He's not close to being Devin Hester. No chance. Who? My comparison would be Alan Rossum. Maybe he's Alan Rossum if you want to make a pack hey, comparison. Stop it right now. Stop. Listen, he's a weapon. Je- Listen to me. John Salmon's had a good half year for the Bucs. They paid him and he disappeared. <laughs> we'll see if Keyshawn Nixon can do it more than for a few weeks, right? Because, again, Devin Hester did it with different dudes every year. Different guys on special teams, rotating in and out. Guys are in their position and so forth. We'll see what Keyshawn Nixon does when this special teams unit gets redone next year. Because every year, special teams units get redone. Because guys at the bottom of the roster change. And the guys at the bottom of the roster are the ones that are playing special teams. So as those change, those guys got to learn their roles and figure it out. And it takes a while for them guys to all get on the same page again. So next year, we'll see if Keyshawn Nixon can duplicate it. Now, if Keyshawn Nixon does this for two or three years, and he wants start talking about Devin Hester and all this nonsense yep. but right now for a few weeks let's settle down like he, we, we Hall of Fame and all this nonsense absolutely not but let's just wait and see but they are going to have to pay him they they can't roll the dice and think well we'll just draft somebody and he'll do the same thing as him you can't do that and I mean it's what they've been missing I'm half joking obviously I'm full I'm joking about the Devin Hester thing but it's just Again, it, it, it's what you've always wanted. It's, it's what you've wanted really since Desmond Howard, let's be honest. Right. I mean, Randall Cobb, that his rookie year. But you see how important special teams is because the Packers have two more Super Bowl rings if it isn't for special teams. If it isn't for the onside kick where you have a guy go rogue and jump in front of Jordy Nelson, yeah. uh, Brandon Bostic, and if it isn't for last season against San Francisco. And I know that's a block, punt, a block kick, and this isn't what we're talking about here, but having a guy that could flip the field, having a guy that could potentially take it to the house every kickoff is just so important. More important, though, is just having a guy that you could trust. He's not going to take it out of the end zone and fumble the ball away. He's not going to turn the ball over, set you up with bad field position. That's what 
that's so important. Even if he's not Devin Hester, just the fact that he's not Amari Rogers, pay him whatever he needs to be right. paid. I mean, you're not going to get too crazy. He's a special teams player, but pay him what he's worth, maybe a little bit more because we don't want to – we've seen the Amari Rogers. You know, we've done the Ty Montgomery thing. We've done bring back Tremont Williams at 38, 39 years old and stick him back there. We've seen it with Randall Cobb this year. Get, 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 get him. Just keep him. Just keep him. Don't let him get away one way or the other. Pay the dude. Topic number two is the Packers defense for real or has the last few weeks been a fluke? And as you pointed out, the defensive changes and Dyer Carragher, I think that's how you say his name. Um, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. It's D-A-I-R-E Carragher, C-A-R-R-A-G-H-E-R. Uh, covers the Packers for 24-7 sports and the Packer Report. Just put up a great piece on Joe Barry. Uh, and the title of the tweet is, Joe Barry may have struck gold. You might not have realized it, but the Packers defense has changed a lot since their bye week. A complete overhaul of coverage scheme uh, coverage scheme and blitz usage has fueled this late playoff push. And this one is, uh, this story is located on the Packer Report on 247sports.com. Uh, and to me, like you were saying earlier, they definitely changed some of what was going on across their first 13 games this season. The Packers played cover two, both man and zone on less than 4% of their snaps for pro football focus in the three games. Since they're playing cover two on 17.6% of the snaps over four times more often. Uh, then he says 17.6% may not seem like much, but it's the fourth highest mark in the NFL too. cover two is a lot less common than most fans tend to think. And I remember the cover two scheme is something that Dungey brought uh, and really made popular uh, in the NFL when he was with uh, the Buccaneers and the Colts. Uh, that is what they ran a lot of was that cover two scheme that tended to give opposing quarterback fits to a certain point. And then as uh, Dyer writes, that's not the only major change in the coverage scheme. Barry has also stepped up his cover six usage from just seven. 7.7% before the bye week to a league leading 28.1% in the three games since. That means cover two and cover six are accounting for a relatively massive 45.6% of the Packers' defensive play calls. My thing is this. So when you make this change, initially, teams aren't ready. They're not prepared. When you get to the playoffs now and you get the Niners – I, by the way, I do not want the Vikings again. So don't don't ask me which who I want, Florida Niners or Vikings. I do know not, that Justin Jefferson's pissed off. No yeah, way. I, I want nothing to do with the Vikings. No. Uh, give me the Niners and we'll take our chances with Purdy. But for yeah. me, it's okay. Now you've got tape, right? Or they don't use tape anymore, but whatever. You've got film of these four, five games where they've been doing this. Shanahan for the Niners, going to know. Cover two, cover six. That's what these guys play. When they're in this look, this is our this is our options. When they're in cover six, we're gonna run this. And there's gonna be an opt-out call every time of if you think they're in in two instead of six, opt to this. If you think they're in six instead of two, opt to this at the line of scrimmage. These are gonna be our audibles for both coverages, and we're gonna go. People are going to make adjustments. I wouldn't be surprised if the Detroit Lions are ready to rock and roll and make their adjustments this week because now he's starting to create somewhat of a pattern would be my guess as far as what teams can start to prepare for something he wasn't doing the whole first half of the year and that's probably part of the reason why it's been as successful as it has been the question is has the Packers defense for real or has the last few weeks been a fluke I think the Packers defense is for real I don't think I would call it a fluke but I think eventually they're going to be found out and then we'll see how this plays yeah, so I love the adjustments again from Joe Barry. Haven't read the piece yet, but 
luckily my wife who is a who's a saint she drove home yesterday all 12 and a half hours back to washington dc no human being should have to drive that long so I watched the last five weeks. I don't think they're a fluke, but let's look at the quarterbacks that they face. But I love the adjustments from Joe Barry, dropping extra guys back in coverage, not sending blitz because guys just weren't getting home. They weren't getting after the quarterback. And they had to make the adjustments because you don't have a pass rusher like Rashawn Gary. And what's crazy, the sack numbers have went up. What are they, six in the league or something like that the last couple of weeks, the last month of the season? And that's without their best pass rusher and Rashawn Gary. Guys have stepped up. I think Preston Smith has been very underrated. I know I talk about him on this podcast every Every single week, Kenny Clark's been really good the last couple weeks. Here, I got some numbers Wyatt's for you. Been very good. Hold but on, hey, I got some numbers for you on this. Before yeah. the buy, Green Bay had the second highest blitz rate in the NFL, uh, according to this article. Again, Packer Report, twenty four seven Sports. But in the three weeks since the buy, they've had the dead lowest blitz rate in the entire league, from forty two percent of the time blitzing down to only ten percent of the time now blitzing the last three weeks. Which I'm telling y'all. I mean, he's completely overhauled his defense and changed the way they do everything coming out of the bye. And that's why I can't wait to preview this game against the Lions because I want to see if we see any adjustments because Jared Goff is so sensitive to pressure. So I want to see maybe if we get more blitzing or if they're just going to try to create that natural pressure. It'll be interesting to see. What's impressed me most about the defense, though, uh, really quickly, has been – They're dropping extra guys back in coverage. They're getting after the quarterback more. But also, look what they did against Minnesota. And I know right now they're complaining because they didn't have the right cleats and they were slipping all over the field. But look what they did in that last game against the run. Delvin Cook, nine carries for only 30 yards. Nine carries for only 27 yards. Average only three per pop. Madison had eight carries for 38. You know, Kirk Cousins... Damn, he was nearly the leading rusher in that game. You know, I know Cam Akers had some success against them a couple weeks ago in prime time, but he's actually been running the ball a little bit better. The run defense has stepped up as well. So I'm not going to say they're a fluke. I'm not ready to say that they're for real, but I do love the adjustments. And guys have stepped up. I think what it took was a guy like Ford stepping up into the lineup and a guy like Savage getting benched. You know, Matt LaFleur even said that. You know, he kind of got called out. He was in the doghouse. He got benched. And then now the last couple of weeks, he's been in there making some plays in his different role. The only thing that concerns me a little bit, the quarterbacks that they faced since that Eagles game. The last time they faced a real quarterback, uh, they hung 40 on him. And they rushed for 300 yards in that game, too. I like Justin Fields, but he has no weapons. And he's playing at 70% right now. The Rams threw Baker Mayfield out there with one week of preparation. Uh, the Dolphins looked good against Tua, but then we found out he was concussed for an entire yep. half of football. And then you got Kirk Cousins, cold weather uh, at Lambeau Field. You knew he was going to wet the bed. So let's see if they can do it again against Jared Goff. I think that they're going to, especially in the cold weather, especially if they're able to get pressure because he hates getting hit. So I want to pump the brakes a little bit, but damn it, I've loved what I've seen from him the last month. Here's more numbers. Green Bay's defense ranked 20th in the NFL in sacks before the bye. Since the bye, they ranked 6th in sacks since the bye. So they're bringing less people but because of coverage, their guys are able to get home with less guys in not blitzing. I'm telling you, and like you pointed out, that's without Rashawn Gary being on the field. I mean, y'all, and that, that's again with this Hollins kid that they got from the Rams. He's had an impact on this defense since they picked him up off uh, off the street. And Gabare, who I don't think anybody had a lot of hope for necessarily coming in because of where they drafted him out of South Carolina, he's had a really a big impact on this team as far as rushing the quarterback uh, as well. Preston Smith has been good all year long, so there's nothing really to talk about with Preston Smith. But for the most part, this has been phenomenal. And we talk about Joe Barry saving his job. 
Yeah. How how can you argue that he hasn't saved his job? You, I don't even. I don't think you even need to see what happens next. I I, I mean, unless like like I said, if somebody hangs up fifty, fine. But the fact that he made these adjustments now, what we don't know. This is what we don't know. Were these Joe Barry's adjustments? Or were these Matt Lafleur's adjustments? Who's who who came to the table in the bye week and said? This is what we're going to do, and we're going to change it up and try and fix this. Was it a player? Was it a group of players that came and said, guys, what do you think about doing this? My point is somebody had to come up with this concept and this idea of how they were going to overhaul the defense, not blitzing as much, little to none, and then switching heavy to cover two and cover six. Somebody hatched the idea or a group of guys hatched the idea. Where did this all come from and who deserves credit for it? Because if LaFleur was the one that hatched the idea and this was all his conceptual, his concept of how he wanted to play after the bye, I mean, Joe Barry's got to get the guys to execute it. So got to make the right calls and all that, obviously not as much credit. If it was a group of players that came to them and said, this is what we want to do. Barry gets credit for listening to his guys, right? And calling the right place still. But if Barry's the one that came up with all this and got them to execute it, Hey man, might have to give him an extension, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know about all that. But it, yeah, that's the question, though. Did Lafleur sit down with them? Did they come up with this game plan together? Did they go back and watch the first half of the season before that bye and just say, "Hey, this clearly isn't working. We have to try something." That's a good question. But uh, I mean, it was the perfect defensive game plan against Justin Jefferson. Jair was great, I, and. I get a kick out of the Viking fans and their beat reporters who are pretty much fans coming out and saying, well, he had help up top all game. When you're going against a wide receiver like Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, it doesn't matter what defensive back, everybody's going to have help up top. That's a compliment to Justin Jefferson and guys like Devontae Adams. But, uh, you know, somebody even tweeted this to me and I got a kick out of it. So wait, are you saying that Jair shut down Justin Jefferson or are you saying that Joe Barry shut down Justin Jefferson? Because I would probably rather go with you just got shut down by Jair. But Joe Barry's been good the last month, man. Maybe he has saved his job. Let's see how the season ends because if the season ends with Jared Goff and the Lions racking up 450 yards, hanging 40 on the Packers and then missing out on the playoffs, I don't think you bring back Joe Barry. But if you get into the playoffs, if you win a playoff game, I don't know how you fire him. No, no, no. You're raising, you're raising the Lombardi trophy. He gets an extension. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. Even if you win a playoff game, like if you lose a 16, 13 playoff game in San Francisco and the defense holds their own, right. I don't know if you fired, I don't know if you fire them, but if you lose a game like you did a couple of years ago in the NFC championship game where, you know, Mostert went for 260 yards rushing and you gave up 400 on the ground, then I think you have to fire them. But uh, he's definitely, uh, he's definitely, his stock has risen, I'll say. Oh my God, yes, dude. It's so impressive. So, so impressive with this Packers defense. All right, third and final topic. Aaron Rodgers versus Jared Goff. Will it simply come down to who plays better in this game between those two guys? That, that, that's the question. And have no fear. Uh, I got some some stats and some numbers off of Twitter that I saved uh, leading up to this thing to kind of go over uh, a couple of different things. First off, let's talk about uh, Jared Goff, the Lions quarterback. This comes from Jacob Morley on Twitter. Uh, for the season, he's got 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Of the 29 touchdown passes that he has, 23 have been in Detroit. 23 of 29 have been at home. Of the interceptions, seven, he's thrown three at home. Away games this year, he's thrown six touchdowns and four interceptions. Moral of the story, he is not the same player outside of Ford Field. 
He's not the same dude. He's got problems on the road. And now you take his problems on the road and you put him in hostile Lambeau Field with not a, not a probably ideal weather conditions at night on prime time with the world watching, possibly with your playoff hopes on the line with Jared Goff. There's a part of me that wants it to be winning your in for the Lions because he's really going to have to play under pressure. If they're done, he's not playing for anything and he can play free. That may be more dangerous for the Packers than if he actually is playing for something and trying to be perfect with the ball and making mistakes. I think it might play to the Packers benefit if they are playing for something, the more I think about this, right? Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that too. And I think that they're going to be playing for something. Detroit is. I just think that the way that this season's played out, I just have a weird feeling that Seattle goes down and this game is for that final playoff spot. And that's the reason that it's in that prime time slot. I think Seattle loses this week. Um, I don't know that it comes down to Aaron Rodgers against Jared Goff, but I'm glad that you read those numbers because as a sports better, I've been bringing these numbers up every week on the show because people are talking about, man, Jared Goff, he earned an extension. If anything, he could be the longtime answer at quarterback for the lions and Dan Campbell. And I'm like, I don't know about that, man, but he's really good in domes, but he's always, always been been bad in cold weather games if you take him outside of a dome he's a california kid who looks like it you know what i mean and he doesn't like being pressured i'm not the biggest jared goff guy Uh, he's had a really nice season though i think this game actually is going to come down to ken green bay shut down the run i think it's all going to come down to can they stuff the run because the lions have a top five offensive line in the national football league. They could run the football. They have Jamal, Jamal Williams, Williams who has revenge Ooh. on the mind. You oh saw that God. press conference. I know he says he doesn't watch TV. He just wants to go home. He wants to uh, watch. Pokemon. Whatever he said he, yeah. Pokey Pokemon. Pokemon. Don't mispronounce Poker play Pokemon. Don't yep. mispronounce Pokemon. But, uh, I worry about them stuff in the run. So I think it's going to come down to the run defense, actually, not so much uh, Aaron Rodgers against Jared Goff. And also it's going to come down to Ken Green Bay run the football against Detroit, which I think that they will be able to. I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers dropping back 40 times. I want to see a lot of A.J. Dillon, a lot of Aaron Jones against that terrible run defense. And then I want to see Jared Goff throw a couple bad interceptions, get sacked four or five times in this game. But I think it comes down to just shutting down that run game, man, to be honest with you. Here's another one. Eli Berkovitz put this out on Aaron Rodgers' behalf. Aaron Rodgers has started and finished four games against the Lions in the final week of the season. So in his career, he's started and finished four games against the Lions in the final week. In those four games, he is 4-0 and zero with 1,157 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, one pick, and a quarterback rating of 109.1. Uh, again, so if you take Jared Goff numbers, you take Aaron Rodgers numbers, and the question is, does it just simply come down to these two? I mean, if Jared Goff plays like Jared Goff has played on the road all year and gives the Packers a couple of picks, the Lions can't win. I, I don't think the Lions can win if Goff throws two or three interceptions. I don't think they can overcome that. No, no, no. And it doesn't, it's never quarterback against quarterback. Like I hate when we do, it's Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady, you know, and then Aaron Rodgers outplays Tom Brady. Brady throws three picks and you still lose. Right. And that's what I mean. So it's never going to come down to the two quarterbacks like win loss isn't a quarterback stat. But 
if Aaron Rodgers can't beat Jared Goff to get into the playoffs as the highest paid or second highest or whatever he is paid quarterback in the league, then we got some big issues. I don't care if he is pushing 40 years old. You have to beat Jared Goff in a cold weather game, man. Can you uh, explain something to me? What yeah. isn't win loss a quarterback stat? Because when you talk about greatest quarterbacks He's of all time, when you talk yeah. about greatest quarterbacks of all time and Rami McLeod, the afternoon show host in Milwaukee for all those years, now it's Act 10 Sports who we referenced earlier, hates the Super Bowl ring comparison when you start talking about great quarterbacks and how they stack up. But that's exactly what happens. But when you talk about defensive linemen, nobody talks about Super Bowl rings. When you talk about running backs, nobody talks about Super Bowl rings. Talk about wide receivers, nobody talks about Super Bowl rings. The only position that gets Super Bowl ring talked about when talking about greatest ever is the quarterback position. But yet you say, and everybody else, well, that's not a win-loss stat. Yeah. You may say that, but in all actuality, it kind of is. It kind of is win-loss based on the quarterback for when you start talking about greatest of all time. Now, when you're a Trent Dilfer, right, and you win one Super Bowl, well, no. No, it's not It's not win-loss because you had your one shining moment and now you're a college football head coach out of the booth. Great. But, but for the most part, when you start talking about the greats, Rodgers and Brady and those guys, it does come down to win-loss. All right, here's my thing, though. Rodgers has had a top-10 defense, what, once in his career, and they won the sure. Super Bowl that year. Tom Brady has a top-10 defense. It, I think it depends on your offensive line, the weapons around you, the coaching staff uh, that you're surrounded by. Nobody so, goes that in-depth when you're comparing but, players. Nobody but, but, does like, that. The reason that I always say that the ring comparison is so dumb is because of what you just said, though. We don't do it with wide receivers. We don't do it with running backs. We don't do it with tackles or guards or linebackers. We only do it with quarterbacks. And in my lifetime, the the three most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen, I think, are Aaron Rodgers, Dan Marino, and Peyton Manning. Dan Marino, zero Super Bowl rings. Peyton Manning, two. Are we really giving him credit for that final one? Absolutely not. You or I probably could have quarterbacked that team with that defense and that run game. Aaron Rodgers, one Super Bowl ring. Is Ben Roethlisberger a more talented quarterback than any of the three gentlemen that I just named? Absolutely. Look at that defense. Look at that run game that they had. I mean, look at the coaching staff. Look at the second one that he wins. Mike Tomlin, you know, uh, Bill Cowher, who was there before. I just – I, I don't know. It's, it's just a different – It's I do it with in hoops um, because I just – in basketball, I just feel like Michael Jordan in the fourth quarter of a game could just take the ball and score at will and lead his team. And that's like why – Like Aaron Fox this year. Same thing. Yeah, but that's why I've always been like, you know, Jordan is better than LeBron. And I'll do the rings comparison there because I just think basketball is a little bit different. Rodgers, Brady – Marino, Favre, they couldn't just throw the ball down the field to themselves. Favre, uh, same thing. But, One Super Bowl ring, two Super Bowl appearances. I would take him over. He has as many Super Bowl rings as Trent Dilfer. So Correct. are we comparing Brett Favre to Trent Dilfer? We can't. It's just uh, but this, this is the field. thing. Favre and Manning, Peyton Manning, both were the biggest chokes in NFL playoff history. They both were great regular season quarterbacks that killed their teams in the postseason. And if you would tell me you can have Big Ben or Peyton Manning in a playoff game, I'm taking Big Ben every day of the week. I don't even think twice about it. I watched Peyton Manning throw away more games. He made Ty Law a Hall of Famer for the New England Patriots. Manning by himself put that dude in the Hall of Fame. And Brett Favre, we know about Brett Favre and his interceptions and how dumb Fair. passes he's made in the playoffs over the years. So, yeah, when you've got one ring and you're the reason why they can't finish in the playoffs, yes, it's on you. Now, on Rodgers, go look at quarterback ratings and go back and compare quarterback ratings between these two quarterbacks, you know, year in and year out in the postseason. You can say, well, the Packers' defense wasn't good and the defense he was playing was better than the defense he was playing. 
Well, fine. But it's like Gary Ellerson used to say on the big show. Okay, you're the ace. Good. And you're facing the other team's ace. I expect my ace to be better than that team's ace. If that guy throws a one-hitter, you better throw a no-hitter because you're my best pitcher against their best pitcher. It's kind of the same thing. I just It just comes down to, man, like I always hear that Aaron Rodgers is this notorious playoff choke artist. But I don't he's think he's a choke in, artist. No, he's, he's not played in 22 career playoff games. He has a passer rating of 100.1, over 5,894 yards, 45 touchdowns to just 13 picks, and that's in 22 playoff games. Yeah, There's really been good. some bad luck. Also, he's been injured. I mean, the game against Seattle – uh, against that defense. Also, look at some of these defenses he's had to face. The San Francisco defense when Harbaugh was there, that Seattle Legion of Boom defense. Some bad luck. The game against Arizona, the game that goes to overtime, he doesn't even touch the football. I just think there's different situations. I, I don't know. I, I don't know why it's not why it's not a stat, but I agree with it, and I don't like the ring comparisons when it it's comes fun. to quarterbacks. But it's a great conversation. I love having I mean, Mahomes. You. Mahomes is still stuck at one. Um, uh, hey, yo, I was on a radio station in Kansas City last year. I said last year? Talking about the whole Aaron Rodgers only having one. And when did you realize that you may only end up with one? Because they're concerned Mahomes is only going to get one now uh, in Kansas City, which is a complete overreaction this early yeah. in his career to say, oh, he's only going to get one. We're screwed. Like, just everybody can settle down in Kansas City. W- one other thing. Now we got to wrap it up. Uh, Follow Ryan Horvath on Twitter at Ryan Horvath, me at Sparky Radio. We do it Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. A post at 5 o'clock Central each of those days, and then with cuts and everything else the next morning by the time you wake up. So plenty of time to check it all out. Uh, One one, one quick thing on the way out, not related to the Packers. Jim Harbaugh uh, apparently talked to the Carolina Panthers owner. We all believe that Jim Ursay of the Colts will be hot to trot to possibly go after him. We have no idea uh, what is going on in some of these other situations as far as what Denver is going to do. Everybody believes Denver is going to write the biggest check possible to get somebody of big name quality into Denver to try and fix Russell Wilson. What do you think about the Big Ten next year without Harbaugh and without Ryan Day in the Big Ten next year possibly? I think it's – you already know how I feel. I, I said I think that the Badgers are going to be a college football playoff team year one. Under Dude, if they've got two new coaches at Ohio State and Michigan, Big Ten is up for grabs immediately. And I don't even care. I don't care if it's Vrabel going from Tennessee to Ohio State, if that's what happens. I don't care who comes in to coach at Michigan. And, you know, they're going to be lining up to coach at Michigan now that Harbaugh has it fixed. So yeah. I don't care who goes in there. It's not going to be the same programs, I don't think, as what they both have right now. Because I think both of those no. two dudes are pretty good coaches. Oh, absolutely, man. Remember what Michigan looked like before Harbaugh got yep. there? Now, Ohio State's always kind of been Ohio State, and I think they always will be Ohio State because they are a brand name. I just – I always think that they're going to be tough. I always think they're going to be a 10-win football team, but I think that there would be a little bit of a rebuild there. I don't know that Ryan Day leaves. I think if Harbaugh gets offered – I think Harbaugh is as good as gone back to the National Football League, though. But I think the Badgers, that's my hot take, man. It's kind of like when I told people that Utah was going to the Rose Bowl two years ago and then said it again this year, or Toledo was going to win the MAC. I just – Coaching is so damn important in college football, and you could turn around a program year one. Look at USC. People thought USC was going to be a 7-8 win football team, and their defense was terrible. I think the Badgers are going to be much better defensively. I know the Big Ten's a little bit tougher, but not really their division. I think that they're going to be in the college football playoff probably next year. And I think they're going to be one of the more exciting offenses in the country. I don't think they'll skip a beat on the defensive end because of Fickle. They're going to be able to recruit. They're going to hit the portal. He's not done yet. I, uh, I think their time's coming. 
It's going to be fun to see. He has Ryan Horvath again. Follow him at Ryan Horvath, me at Sparky Radio. We'll do this again on Friday. Jeff Rieger from the ticket in Detroit, who joined us earlier in the year when he was talking about he made his prediction before the season about the Lions going to the playoffs, and we laughed at him hysterically when we talked to Rieger earlier in the year. Now, all of a sudden, his little prediction of them going to the playoffs has some relevance, and it might actually happen. Rieger might be right. So, Rieger will join us on Curtin Long coming up on Friday. Can't wait for that one. Ryan, have a good one, buddy. We'll talk Friday. See you then.